Welcome to the Spotlight Series from the Do More Good Podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good Podcast. The Do More Good Podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good Podcast. Do More Good. Do Good, Do More. Do More Good Podcast. Do More Good Podcast. That's what you want me to say. Okay. You're listening to the Do More Good Podcast. The Spotlight Series celebrates the stars of the sector. We're taking 20 minutes to talk about whatever topic is on their mind. Head to domoregood.uk forward slash spotlight to find out more and book your own 15 minutes of fundraising fame. Here we are, James, back again for another episode of the Do More Good podcast. How's your week been? Yeah, really good. And, and we probably should mention that actually, well, like we just mentioned to our guest, we have met, met up with each other. Mm. We don't want to give too much away. But we've actually recorded our 100th episode already, which will be going out probably in the next sort of couple of weeks. But yeah, we, we met up for the first time in what what did we say? It was like three and a half years. Yeah, yeah, we have. So that was that was nice. We met in a pub, of course. Of course. Um, but we were we were rushed out so we could get into get our VIP bands for our 100th <laughs> episode uh, for the venue. Yeah, we'll find out. No, but my week's been good. I'm just, you know, like we've spoke about the last few episodes, just kind of really getting under the skin of what this new job entails. Been getting out and doing a few more part runs, of course, um, having joined part run recently. So, yeah, got out on Saturday, did a part run, um, trying to get a few running back into the to the diary on a more regular basis. But um, dragging that dragging that PB down. I'm a long way from the PB. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever get there again. But, you know, it's fun to get out and try. But, yeah, what have you been up to? You know, busy, busy. We, it's a busy time of year, isn't it, in the in the sector? So um, not helped by the fact I had a sick kid at home today. So I had to go and collect uh, my youngest. Um, and I, she still says that she's not feeling very She's absolutely fine. She's absolutely fine. <laughs> but she says she doesn't feel very well. She says she feels sick. Mainly, I think, because, and I need to dig into this story and find out a little bit more. Somebody at her school was sick in assembly. Oh, oh that's a belter, isn't it? That's oh. a good one. Was sick in assembly. I don't think she was, t- she was physically affected by the sickness in assembly. I don't know whether anyone in the, the nearby vicinity of the child who was sick got caught in the crossfire but um that's a brilliant three kids and assembly then left and two of which had to go home oh that's when there. that's wonderful the, the sawdust comes out doesn't it remember that from school yeah. the sawdust quick who yeah. run and get the emergency batch of sawdust and let's throw it around yeah oh brilliant, brilliant. Oh. School hall. it reminds me when i was younger my brother and i used to sleep in bunk beds and one night i wasn't feeling very well and i said tom my brother's name is tom tom i don't i don't feel very well and he being the lovely younger brother on the bottom bunk, said, oh, no, and stuck his head out and looked up just as I vomited <laughs> over the side into his face. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and oh. still, like, 30 years on, I still would love to bring that story up. Oh, well, well, look, yeah. let's just take it a bit back to the podcast. I've been doing a little bit of research and digging into our analytics, James. Oh, and I had okay. a few stats for you um, that I thought you might enjoy. So last week, we dropped down one place in the not-for-profit chart for Apple Podcasts in India with Damn our it. new position as of this week. Wait for it. Yeah. 77. Good. Well, I'm, I just want to break that 75, but like you talked about with your PB for uh, Parkman, I want to be top top 75 in India. Exactly. We've also, a couple of other ones for you, we've managed to recruit, somehow recruit three regular listeners from Sri Lanka. Oh, which is, you know, that's good. Good shout to out to those yeah. guys. Thank you very yeah. much for listening. Mm-hmm. And 1% of our overall listeners in the past year come from Brazil. 
I don't know about you, Kenneth, but it feels like there's a world tour in the offing here. <laughs> Sri Lanka and India. Let's go. I know, exactly. So it's good to know that we are crossing the globe on this. Look, let's jump into this week's episode because it's a really an interesting area. I think something that we haven't really touched on before when the opportunity to inter- in- interview our guest came up, we were really keen to kind of learn more about it. So I'll jump in with the intro. Our guest this week is the CEO of Agilistic, a consultancy that helps organisations become more agile and adaptable in response to their customers' needs. As a seasoned agile coach, our guest empowers ambitious organisations to embrace agile working to deliver better value to their people and customers. Now, he's been exploring the use of agile thinking and practices in the third sector and how through its practice, charities can embrace agile to create shared purpose, empower teams to make decisions and build a culture of autonomy and alignment. So our guest has worked with a wide range of organisations, including BT, Vodafone, HMRC, William Hill, the Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, to name a few. So we're really pleased to welcome Steve Martin to the podcast. How are you doing, Steve? Oh, uh, both of you, and uh, an absolute pleasure to be joining the 77th charity <laughs> podcast in India. I mean, Steve, you can't, you know, there can't have been many more opportunities. You know, this, I mean, this is the top, the creme de la creme of the media opportunities that there are out there. I, I mean, I'm, 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 it's an absolute pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah. Steve, top, um, have you ever been sick on a sick on a sibling? No, but I, I, I mean, there's still there's still a good chance. <laughs> so, you know, I'll, 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 in fact, my uh, my sister does actually work in the charity sector, so I'll oh. get her to listen to this pod and make a claim now that uh, just to be warned, yeah, that that idea is going to be fixed into my uh, into my consciousness. <laughs> well, look, Steve, thank you so much for your time. Um, we want to kind of jump straight into it. We, you know, we can see kind of looking through your background, you know, project management change, Agile's obviously been a cord that's run throughout your career. We just want to kind of let us know about how your career started, how, how you got into working with lots of organisations on implementing Agile practices. How did that start? Before my Agile I guess my agile journey started you know I worked in various different industries and different uh, organizations and different roles essentially but I started in agile in in a software company about 12 years ago and um, and haven't looked back really and and actually I spent about five years working uh, as what they call a scrum master. A scrum master looks after, it's, a, it's like a modern day project manager, looks after the team and helps the team to become high performing. I, I did that for about five years before moving into kind of more of a consultant role and going into organizations, some of them, them you mentioned there. And actually going from, you know, working with a in a permanent role, going to become more of a consultant as a bit of a leap of leap of faith. And then I moved it in towards becoming more of an agile coach and, and actually coaching teams, working with leadership, helping organizations completely transform and change cultures and change structures and ways of working and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that this came from, from, from one session where you very first were introduced to agile working. You went on a course and then uh, adopted it at work and then, and then took it on and became, as you say, like that sounds pretty cool, a scrum master. I quite fancy that on my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it literally was a training course and I'd been working for a good sort of 10, 15 years up until that point. And it, I never really felt like I, I fitted in. You know, I was, I was always questioning why things were happening why we you know things like reporting for example why you need to sort of spend so much time 
creating these reports that are out of date by the time you've gone to your manager and, and walked through them. It never quite worked for me until I actually did the uh, training course and I just felt this is this is actually it. I mean, this is the this is exactly how the world of work should be. That's pretty much where where it all started. And we have to bring it back to basics, Steve, probably mostly for, for James. But for those in the audience who <laughs> perhaps aren't adverse of the ter- or aware of the term, but have heard it thrown around, what what is agile? Right, it's a big question, <laughs> and I'll, I'll try. I'll try and keep it fairly succinct and uh, and and uh, and short. The the idea of it is really to provide continuous value to your customers and and the people that benefit from the work that you do and the value that you deliver to them. And the idea really is to be able to do that at pace mm-hmm. and be able to respond at pace if should changes in needs occur. And so. The basics are really is to actually put all of the responsibility with those that are as close to your customers, but really it's to be able to get your your teams and people working closest to your to your customers to have all the responsibility to be able to to be able to respond at pace so that you're able to deliver value continuously. And that's the that's the general idea of it. That's the sort of basics, but there's so much more to it. We talk about uh, organizational structure. We talk about culture. Culture is a huge part of this because it's really about how, when we when we talk about culture, we talk about putting faith and putting trust in people to make decisions, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, and, and that's coming from a management and senior management level. How can you actually change that, that culture yeah. when historically you might have had a slightly different type of thinking in terms of trust where it might be a little bit more risk averse and so when we talk about giving trust we're, what we're really saying is we you know in order for us to be able to move at pace we can't we can't hang around and be risk averse we have to take some risks we have to be innovative and start coming up with ideas and and testing out ideas and seeing, you know, in the real world and seeing how they might work for people. Mm-hmm. So that should they be of value, then we can actually act on, on those, as I say, at, at pace. Fundamentally, that's what Agile is. It's a mindset. It's a way of thinking and way of behaving that goes way, way, way back to the Industrial Revolution. I'm not going to give you 200 years of history here, but <laughs> essentially the fact that we are working today in most organizations in a way that was designed over 200 years ago in the yeah. way that we are, yeah. you know, we're very risk averse, certainly big, large organizations with complex structures trying to unwire that it's, that's the most complex part trying to get people to think differently and take risks and, you know, calculated risks, mm. but risks all the same. Yeah. Okay. I hope that answers your question, but do it does, and you've you've managed to explain it so that even someone like me can understand that. Thank you for keeping it uh, <laughs> at that level and keeping it there. Are there particular industries, sectors, environments, challenges that you feel that that this kind of mindset is particularly applicable to, or is it more ubiquitous that everybody can can work with uh, uh, in this way? It, it's pretty much flexible and and adaptable into any industry, and so you know if we if we specifically hone in on the on the third sector you know we talk about mindset so really 
for let's say for example for example like a, a a homeless charity we would look at things like the structure and we would look at process and how information flows in the organization and we would look at how how communication flows we would look at all the different sort of areas of the organization and try and break down the silos and try and get the responsibility and decision making right at the right at the coalface so how do we you know break down silos and bring cross-functional teams so putting everybody within a team that has the capability of delivering value we do a lot of work with leadership teams and how they would be able to sort of change mindsets so that they could put that sort of responsibility at the coalface so to answer your question and going back and thinking about the you know the type of industries if you're launching a rocket into space you probably wouldn't be using uh, an agile framework to be able to do that because you would need you know there would be huge uh, regulation and, and compliance that would need to be adhered to you know things like construction um things like uh, medicine and and that and that kind of thing where like i say if there's human lives at risk then th- those sorts of things are uh, are a challenge however you know, within the charity sector, I, there would be a fair amount of uh, opportunity there to be able to uh, consider this type of approach. Yeah, yeah. we're talking about fundraising teams and how they approach things or, or <clears throat> Kenneth's training regime to get under 28 minutes for a park run and, you know, different approaches okay. there that you can test and learn with. Yeah, absolutely. I, we could have a look at, uh, at Kenneth's 28 minutes. <laughs> That's a key measure. We'd look at uh, specific um, areas and ev- every single part of the preparation process in order to kind of identify what sort of you know what sort of problems what sort of what's getting in the way from him getting under 28 minutes things like the nutrition we'd look at all the all the different aspects around six uh, pints of Stella before a park run help or hinder his yeah Yeah. Mm. exactly those kind of things (laughs) Steve it's really interesting because I think you know, I'm just reflecting on how, how many times I've come across Agile in my kind of career and obviously spent the last sort of seven, eight years in the charity sector. And prior to that, worked in a couple of startups. And, you know, there seemed to be a history, I think, of for me, from it coming from kind of this startup culture where it was all kind of learn quickly, fail fast. And that was the kind of agile methodology that was used. But actually hearing you talk about it, it, it does feel more like a mindset. And I guess the question that comes from that is, how do you change mindsets in organizations, especially if we look at the charity sector? And of course, that's as broad as many sectors. You have some organizations that are thousands and thousands of people right across the UK, you know, people on the front line in terms of delivering services, but people at a head office or HQ, volunteers is massive. How do you approach that when you go into an organization and, and they've reached out to you and said, you know, we need we need to make some change here. We're not sure exactly what the change is, but maybe they've heard something about agile. Where, where do you start? The shortest answer I could give is we, we would start small. We right. we would test out in a very small, let's say, safe environment, a place where there isn't going to be a huge amount of risk attached to, let's say, like a small project that we'd work on. We would have uh, a team be a combination of cross-functional skills. In a, to enable full end-to-end delivery. So it wouldn't be that they would have dependencies on other teams or, or reliance on perhaps a third party. And then we would understand what are the key measures of success, getting them to work in this specific way. From that, we can then go and say, right, how do we then scale, right? So what do we do? What do we need to do to scale this outwards? Now, when we talk about changing mindset, showcasing what success has brought from that pilot 
uh, would be the catalyst for for real change because that's when we start to get people to see in context in in reality that this is really possible within this organization can you just give us an example of that like just i'm just trying to think of people listening maybe one of the customers or clients that you've worked with just an example of what that small pilot was because again just kind of considering our audience and if they like us heard agile heard it thrown around for a few different years you know not quite sure it's i appreciate it's probably quite a difficult tangible concept to grasp but if you could give a real example of a pilot that you've seen and then actually how that has lit the flame in terms of the wider organization and shown that it can work when we do it in this very small way and therefore let's kind of try and roll it out across other things that would be useful yeah i can give you a really good example of uh, doing some work with bt I've, I've actually been working with them over the last few months digital uh, contact center area so it, like, let's say for example that you ring up and you want to change your contract or up- upgrade uh, they will actually be able to provide some offers for you that that's a live system at the moment and there's actually about eight teams within this area and to completely transform how they are operating and essentially what we've been doing with them is we've taken them on a 12-week training program and also a, a complete restructuring of of the organization there was very very slow to actually get anything out the door projects would take months and months and months so we looked at how can we get to a place where we're, we're we're delivering value within two weeks. Start the two weeks with a problem to solve, and then we'd have the team and as one specific team that would be completely cross-functional. They'd come up with the solution, and then they would design, develop, and test that solution in that two-week period. That as a pilot, how do we showcase that then and bring others in? Because what they have a, a problem with BT and, and you'd, you would have the same in most big organizations is that you'd have stakeholders that would be very much away and distance from the team that are actually providing value for them. What we try and do is actually bring them into the testing process. So they'd be able to test out and, and say, is this, is this uh, fit for purpose? Is this what I'm looking for? Does this solve my problem? The real key to it is bringing everybody who would be involved from end to end, just getting them actually becoming part of it. I, I think I understand the, the, the practice from, from what you're saying. And one thing that the charity sector, like most sector and big big businesses, struggle with is silos, right? I mean, I've just joined an organisation. There's, there's obviously silos in every organisation and no one organisation is perfect. But just in terms of kind of bringing in those different stakeholders and again trying to think about that person who's maybe listening to this podcast who's a fundraiser in uh, i don't know an individual giving team you know wants to do a kind of broader campaign and, and wants to bring in people from different departments because they want to bring their thoughts and their ideas and into their campaign in an agile way it sounds like there's a lot more process and so you have to have that kind of top level buy-in into the agile methodology. Is, is that a fair statement? It is the statement. Right. <laughs> and it's actually the title of my book, which I've had recently published, which <laughs> is called Change Starts at the Very Top. And it means that in order for this to work, you have to you have to start at the top. And, and one of the biggest misconceptions of this is that by giving teams responsibility and giving them the tools that they need you know will enable change but that's actually not the case in order for this to happen it has to be from the from the very top and actually senior leadership actually buying right into it 
if you are in that team, if you are one of the more junior members of that team and you're being given the responsibility to develop a pilot or an idea or take a project forward, whatever it is, whatever your role may be, if, even if you have the autonomy to give away a coffee to somebody that you like in the queue, if you're serving them, that, that, that gives you so much more job satisfaction of that control over your role and that trust from your more senior members of staff that there's an additional benefit there that you're bringing the whole team with you. 100%. There is a, a very good a writer called Dan Pink. I mean, he's still alive. I'm talking of him in the past tense. But he wrote a book called uh, Drive. And, and one of the key things is that is if you, you, you pay somebody enough to take money off the table, right? Fundamentally, in order to motivate people, there's three things that absolutely motivate them. Because this is what Dan Pink actually did some research on. One of them is autonomy. So being given the responsibility to be able to make decisions and, and actually be in charge of their own destiny. The other is mastery. So you give them all the skills to be able to master their craft. Uh, and the third one is purpose. If you can give absolute vision and purpose that what they're doing has some has some real value and that this you know that we have a clear direction of travel and that is the biggest motivational factor mm. and i was yeah. going to say i mean in, in the in the charity sector the third sector generally it sounds like three purpose is is pretty much put at the forefront in every charity fundraising whatever discipline it is job because it's all about the beneficiaries it's all about raising money to create services or provide services or whatever it might be but the autonomy and mastery are the two that probably are given the least attention. And we know we've talked before on here about kind of decision-making hierarchies and the fact that there's probably challenges in the sector to kind of apply these new ways of working. I guess, is there, is there, a, is there a sector that's really doing this well that the charity sector can look at and say, okay, we need to be more like them? feels like that kind yeah. of, that will help spark some of this, this change. Yeah, I mean the 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 tech the tech industry is the, the one that springs to mind for sure. That that that's where uh, agile as a as a uh, framework started. That's where it originated. And so you know most startup companies and even even just sort of larger technology companies. Yeah, I can give you a couple of examples what the that we use in in training, and that is you know Amazon of. They're, they're, you know, Amazon are like a big company now, but when they first started, they started a good company. They've actually completely revolutionized how people shop online, right? And and actually have, have caused major disruption on the high street. And, and, and there's others that have followed. Um, and then there's also Netflix, of course, one of the one of the main organizations that did for uh, Blockbuster. Um, so we so we use those as examples. I and mean, in terms of industry, you know, you know, startup tech companies are the ones that are really doing it well. You've got the in, you know, in the finance industries, there's Monza and Tide. These are startup tech companies that are actually going completely against the grain to big sort of high street banks. They're innovative and taking calculated risk in order to get value out of the door as quickly as possible. If you're in the charity sector, that those are the sorts of companies that we would recommend having a look at and those you know really they're doing some really good things it's interesting you bring up um blockbuster there and that's the lovely example of netflix turning up and blockbuster just refusing to move from their existing model and just becoming out of date because they wouldn't evolve yeah absolutely i, I could give you a, quite a long story of it but buy my book and find there's a there's a whole chapter dedicated to it <laughs> yeah have you seen any so i mean want to obviously touch on the the charity sector are you seeing 
more charities are you speaking to more charities is there any examples of organizations in the kind of third sector or not-for-profit space that are kind of really embracing agile at the moment not that i've seen i've did a little, a little bit of voluntary work with a charity my sister's charity as i mentioned earlier they're a food waste charity called uk harvest i'll give them a little bit of a plug what they do is they acquire uh, food waste and then and then redistribute it uh, you know to, to various different outlets and they do all sorts of things around education and providing guidance in terms of nutrition and helping to reduce food waste uh, the sorts of things I did with with them was to really focus in on exactly what is it that they do and fundamentally they're a food waste charity but their biggest value that they have is is around education because they realized that if they could focus in on educating the household and have a huge knock-on effect reducing food waste other things I helped with, I looked at structure and, you know, they had lots of silos in very small charity, only about sort of 40, 45 people, but they were operating in about three major silos. And, and I helped them to sort of break those down and become more cross-functional and fluid. And so, yeah, I did, I did a little bit of work with them. But yeah, going back to your question, I haven't seen a huge amount of buy-in, you know, in the industry. And it's certainly something that I'd like to change and i you know I'm, I'm i'm willing to sort of spend a little bit of time with with charities if they uh, want to get in touch and i'm uh, sort of getting them getting them thinking perhaps doing some more of this kind of thing to help uh, educate they can get in touch with you but if people are interested and they want to become the, the black belt scrum master then obviously buy your book have a little read through not just the chapters on netflix where do you start where do you kind of begin to what are kind of your your advice on getting going or investigating this internally or having conversation who do you need to bring with you as i said it, it starts at the top senior leadership is the good starting place you know there are various seminars there uh, things online that, that you can uh, get involved or, or just sort of attend and just find out a little bit more get a bit of an introduction into it and see you know how it might be appropriate that's where i would start just to sort of become a little bit more familiar with it in order to really get going getting the leadership team on a training course, you know, spending some real time in getting trained up on it and then look at things like strategy and, and actually planning out how you're going to do it. But the fundamental thing is you need some support. You need people who have been there and done it, have got the experience. They can actually come in and work with you for a couple of months. Can Agile coach or a scrum master who's somebody who's actually had some experience working with a similar type of industry and then go from there. You know, we said at the start, it's a little bit different to kind of what we normally do on an episode. But I think we've heard enough about Agile that you've given us a really good overview of kind of the benefits that it can have. But also I, there's going to be challenges around persuading leadership as well, because, you know, again, one of the kind of things within the sector is not every charity is as forward looking as maybe the tech sector is. Yeah. Um, and so kind of making that case internally to say, OK, this is something that we maybe need to consider because we've got. Uh, the cost of living crisis over here which means our fundraising is, is is less we've got other things going on in terms of kind of government maybe and actually what impact does that have and you know there's lots of charities out there that at the moment that are facing challenges like they have been for the last four years making the business case for this type of change I can imagine being the real challenge and I can imagine at the moment people are becoming more risk averse that they are doubling down on sign off processes and you know putting things in the way of moving quickly and agile and trying different things out because they're nervous about what's going to happen in the next couple of months they've all got reputations to protect 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's probably not the best time to be uh, to, you know talking about long term transformation of an organisation. There is a, some investment required there, so you know that that might be one of the biggest challenges. But absolutely, need to put a business case together. If if I could give a piece of advice to a senior leader, is take the time to take a step back and have a look. What's the current state of play? How are things generally? Where is the waste in the organisation? Where are the sort of big problem areas? And then start from there and see if things are uh, in, a, in a bit of a tight spot, of, you know, where there are some real problems and you think, actually, we, we, need to, we need to make a bit of a change here, then Agile could be, a, it could be a good route to go down, put the onus on just taking a bit of time to step away from the day-to-day and just have a look and see what's going on. And people like myself, agile coaches, you know, even just sort of coming in for a day, we can we can help with that with that kind of thing. Just having somebody to bounce a few ideas off and just kind of help the thought process a little bit. Well, Steve, as you as you kindly offered on the call, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you'll be getting a few messages from people. Yeah. Kind of interested. So we'll, we'll hold you to that. A bit of free pro bono yes. work to get people going is always a, never a bad idea, right? Absolutely. I'm not going to give I'm not going to give my phone number on here, but I certainly give my uh, email address. Uh, that's that's fine. Do uh, do get in touch. I'm ha- I'll be I'll be happy to spend a bit of time. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Well, I've certainly learned learned something about agile that I didn't know before. I think you know, hearing that it is kind of more of a whole organization approach, I think can be really is really interesting, and it'll be good to see who kind of who over the next couple of years, especially in this time when it's so challenging, actually is willing to kind of go through that change. Because I guess that's the time, as we've talked about, when people are kind of battening down the hatches, almost like, let's not change anything. But actually, this is probably the time to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Steve, where can anyone find you then if they wanted to hear more? So my, I, I'll give you my uh, website address, uh, which is um, agilistic.co.uk. I do various different sort of talks and things. So, uh, you know, the, all the information will be on the website for up and coming seminars and, and that kind of thing. There's also uh, the, the book is on there as well. So, uh, you know, people can find out a little bit more uh, from there. Brilliant. Any final thoughts, James? I wholeheartedly agree there that uh, got a lot of burnout, it feels, at the moment across the sector. And this feels like the moment where you need to react quickly. You need to, to be a bit more agile and obviously talking to moving we need to get out to sri lanka kenneth so i've been looking at easyjet flights so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right steve we'll wrap it up Wonderful. there thank you for your time all right great all stuff right, thank thanks thanks very much bye-bye cheers thanks for tuning in to the spotlight series from the do more good podcast you can find all our episodes at domoregood.uk and we're on twitter and instagram at do more good pod If you fancy featuring on Spotlight, then drop us a note, contact at doomorgood.uk, and we'll speak to you soon.